Welcome back to the Full Court Press, presented by the Stony Brook Press. Uh, we're on our second episode here of the semester, and today we are going to start our NBA season preview. We'll be kicking things off with the Eastern Conference. The Toronto Raptors, last year's NBA champions, came out of that conference. But after Kawhi Leonard's departure to the LA Clippers, we should be in for an interesting year. So we'll break down each team one by one, starting f with the worst from last year all the way to the best. All right, but first, Daniel, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? How are we all doing today? Anthony? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Wilco? I'm doing good. James? You're always good, man. All right, well, let's get things started then. Uh, let's start things off with the worst team in the East last year, Daniel's beloved New York Knicks. Wow, that's, that's, that's crazy. I thought we were going to go from the worst projection, so I thought the Knicks weren't going to catch that bad break. <laughs> but... Uh, Nah, so we'll look at the New York Knicks. They're projected to win 26 and a half, which I think most people would expect the, to call that a nice improvement from 17 last year. But I like this roster. You know, I'll let you guys go into it in a second. But I think this team can, uh, you know, surpass 30 wins at least this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Knicks, they got some decent talent um, during the summer. They got Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, Alfred Payton. Of course, they. I feel like they lost a bit of offensive firepower. Um, they lost Hardaway Jr. last year. Yeah. They lost Ennis Cantor, of course, um, halfway through the season as well. But now he's not even going to be on the roster to start things off. Emmanuel Moutier and Trey Burke. You have all those guys. They apported a lot of scoring early on last year. So I'm interested in seeing how they recover from that. Who replaces them? There's going to be a lot of focus on R.J. Barrett being, you know, the number three pick. So we'll see how he goes. What do you guys think? Um, I think that with the Knicks, um, their expectations aren't really that high. I think most people expect them to be an eighth-seeded uh, team at most. So I think the Knicks is really just their season to figure out about their identity. Will it become R.J. Barrett's team? Um, when will that happen? Will other veterans like Todd Gibson, will that be his team for most of the season? how it feels they'll be able to coach all of these guys. These are just some of the questions that the Knicks are going to have going into the season, I feel. In my opinion, the lack of expectation is good for R.J. Barrett because he doesn't have the pressure to perform instantly like Kevin Durant would have had or Kyrie Irving as superstars on the max deal. So he's just a rookie third, uh, third round pick, no, first round third pick who just has to perform at a decent level, doesn't even have to make the playoffs. I think he's going to have a good year and the Knicks will get the eighth seed. Yeah, well, I, I said this last week, too, that uh, this team's full of guys with high potentials, uh, guys like Barrett, guys like Trier, Robinson. You know, you run up and down the list, and, it, you know, the, these veterans that they brought in, you know, they brought in Ellington, they brought in Gibson, they brought in Peyton. You know, these guys are short contracts. I think they're going to help with the identity of this team. And also, they're very tradable contracts. So if the Knicks happen to be out of the race by the time the trade deadline comes, you ship these guys away to a contender. You get some second-round picks. Uh, you know, I and I honestly, I think this team can make the playoffs. I think there's enough firepower on that team. The one thing that worries me is that there's not enough three-point shooting. Really, Ellington's your only guy that can shoot threes consistently. But you know, I think there, if this team reaches its potential, each young guy, each each individual on this team buys in. I think this is one of the more underrated teams you could have in the league. All right, now real quick. The over-under right now for the Knicks is set at 26.5, like Daniel pointed out. Are you guys taking the over or the under? James? I'm going over. I think this Knicks team can make the playoff. Anthony? I'm going to go under. I think 26 is a huge mark for the Knicks to reach. At this Daniel? 
Give me the over. This team is going to be an eight seed. I'm going to take the under, but just maybe by half a game. I'm not that confident in it. I do think the Knicks have a lot of potential this year, and they're going to be a team to look out for. Yep, Knicks basketball will be exciting, that's for sure, this year. Up next, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who really, they have no notable departures, no notable signings, at least in terms of the roster. They brought in John Beeline from the University of Michigan to be their new coach, which is very interesting. I always liked what he did in the NCAA, but... Obviously, the NBA is a whole different ballgame, so it will be interesting to see how he adapts. In terms of draft picks, they drafted Darius Garland up high in the first round and Kevin Porter Jr. from USC, who is projected to be a good talent. Uh, what do you guys think about the Cavs this year? I think with Darius Garland, um, I don't really understand the pick because you already have Colin Sexton, who you picked the year before. So I'm just curious to see how Colin Sexton, along with Darius Garland, will work together in addition to Kevin Love, who was there from their championship seasons. Well, I think uh, a lot of their stuff is going to be like the Knicks rebuild, where they're just going to get all these young guys, see which guys work. I like Garland's a good young player. Um, but again, it's going to be another probably long year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It should be a long year for the Cavs. I think with, with Garland, the idea that I've read or that it's been thrown out there is that they're trying to run more two-guard lineups with Sexton and Garland on the floor at, like, at the same time, um, similar to what Portland does with Lillard and McCollum. I don't know how it will work. Obviously, both of those rosters that are at different stages of their NBA um, journeys. So it should be interesting. Anthony, you brought up Kevin Love. He is healthy again, at least apparently. He barely played last season. Um, you know, they had a 19-63 to record, which is abysmal. And right now, the over-under is set at 24.5. Kevin Love, I think he's a guy who adds wins to this team. Um I don't think he's going to have an all-star season or anything like that. It's mostly going to be empty stats because they're going to be losing a lot. But I do think he's going to win them some games. I'm going to take the under here, but not by a lot. I think Kevin Love will win them some games. I'm going to take the under as well. I think the Cavs will actually be worse than the Knicks this season. Uh, I'll go under here, um, but I think Kevin Love is going to have a good season. It's a lot of what he did when he was in the Timberwolves organization, but I think it's they're pushing 20s going to be a lot for them this year i totally agree with daniel i don't think the uh, the Cavs will get i'll be under all right moving on the chicago bulls who they made some decent signings in my opinion they got thad young um they got sadaransky from washington and they got luke cornett from the new york knicks they had a 22 and 60 record last year their over under is set at 32.5 which i think is very optimistic um, but I do like their roster. So what do you guys think about the Bulls? I think with Zach Levine being the leader of the Bulls, I think Levine will definitely have a big season, um, especially with their signing of Kobe White. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how White and Levine complement each other's games. I also got to remember Wendell Carter Jr. is still there along with Laurie Markkinen. So it'll be an interesting um, task to see how that team ends up meshing together. Yeah, I think they sit right behind the Knicks in terms of, you know, losing team with a lot of young talent. Um, you know, I, I think Zach Levine, you know, we've seen spurts of how great he can be, and I think it's going to be another breakout year for him again. Kobe White, of course, drafted in the first round. Um, they've got Chris Dunn right now at the one. Levine can also run the one. I'm not sure if Kobe White's going to go straight into the starting lineup, especially with a coach like Jim Boylan, who's most um, more of an old-fashioned type guy drill sergeant type coach 
So we'll see. Um, I like Markkinen a lot. I like Wendell Carter a lot. I'm not sure any of them can be that rim protector who can really anchor a defense. So I'm a bit worried about that. But in the same vein that the Knicks were in last year, I think this will be a fun team to watch offensively for sure. 32.5, it's hard to see them being 11 uh, wins better than last year. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under as well, but I think only by a little bit that they'll accomplish that. I'm just going to take the under because I don't think that Kobe White is fully developed yet. Uh, Give me 30 wins for the Bulls, but they're going to be exciting to watch, just like the Knicks. Speaking of exciting teams, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, They didn't really mix up their roster that much. They lost Kent Bazemore, Dwayne Dedman, and they signed Evan Turner, Jabari Parker, who I don't really think is going to be a big factor. And Damian Jones, I liked Atlanta's draft a lot. They got DeAndre Hunter from UVA. They got Cam Reddish from Duke, who I think is going to be a stud. What do you guys make of Atlanta? Um, I think with Trey Young still leading the helm for this team, I think I definitely like their draft as well. Um, with Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins, like that big three, it's definitely an exciting young team to watch. I think it'll be interesting to see how they mold together throughout the course of the season, but definitely very exciting to watch. Yeah, the the Hawks. You know, I like I like Hunter. That boy is a dog. That boy will yes, go after you on defense. He's a very tough player. Um, I love Trey Young. I love John Collins. You know, I think this team is going to be on the rise. I don't think it's going to come this year, but you see, they're putting the blueprint in place to bring, you know, Atlanta back to relevancy. Yeah, I mean, this should be an exciting team to follow. I like them a lot. Um, again, with the Bulls and the Hawks. They're going to be fun to watch offensively. I think they're going to struggle defensively. Trey Young is not a good defensive guard at all. I would say that he is actually a black hole on defense. Um, Kevin Herter is good. I really liked his season last year, but again, he's not really that lockdown type guy, which leaves you with Hunter, who has all the makings to be a good defender, but like I don't really think we've seen anyone come into the NBA and be, you know, yeah, that guy on yeah, their first year it's hard you just got for a lot of these guys unless you're like a Kawhi Leonard like a very blessed defender you know it's gonna take a season or two to sort of get acclimated but you'll see probably spurts from him of how good he is defensively so their over under is at 33.5 wins I'm gonna take the under they lost three of their top six scorers in uh Deadman, Bazemore and I forgot to mention Torian Prince earlier and I'm worried about their defense. Anthony? I'm going to take the over. I think this team, even though they do struggle defensively, I think they'll mold together and I think they'll go over that mark. James? I'm going to take the under just because I don't think that these young players can handle the other offensive talent in the league. Uh, give me the under, but like 33. So that 33 right. and a half, give me 33 for the I ball. can see that for sure. Up next, the Washington Wizards, who they're a tricky team for me to judge, honestly. They lost a lot of their veterans from last year. They lost Jeff Green, Ariza, Dwight Howard, even though he didn't really play. Um, And they brought in... Wall isn't playing. Wall isn't playing. He's going to be out to start the season. He might be out for the whole season, as far as we know. But they drafted Rui Hachimura, who I think is a promising guy. They brought in Isaiah Thomas, who, you know, I'm not really sure what to make of him at this stage. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, their over-under right now is at 26.5. Okay, so I think for the Wizards, um, again, with John Wall being out, I think it's going to be a huge ball for them. Yes, Beal can carry the Wizards, but how far they'll actually be able to go is in question. 
I think Roy Hachimura, I think, is going to be a great asset for this team. He can definitely be that second or third scoring option. Isaiah Thomas, I mean, he's a pretty lackluster defender. Yes, he can provide a little bit of scoring off the bench, but I don't really know. Their bench is pretty suspect. I don't really know what to make of the Wizards at this point. Yeah, for a guy like Thomas, this might be his last opportunity to show that he can really be a counted-on guy again like he was in Boston, especially since Wall is going to be out. Um, but I think they're sort of just in that lying in the weeds period where they don't know if they want to continue to go after it. Because, again, a lot of it's going to fall if, on John Wall's health. But they don't know if they want to start rebuilding or if they want to keep because they kept Bradley Beal as well. So who knows what the direction is, but I, I don't see this team really doing anything special. I agree with that. I don't think the team's going to do anything special. Um, I'm going to take the over here just because they got 32 wins last year. If they keep Bradley Beal throughout the whole season, um, if Thomas Bryant keeps playing as well as he did towards the tail end of last season, I'm going to take the over. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team or anything like that, but... You know, 28, 30 wins, I think it's feasible, and I think Bradley Beal in particular is going to have a big, big season. I'm going to actually take the under. I think defenses around the NBA will figure out a way to contain Beal, and for that reason, they don't really have any other scoring options, so I'm going to take under. I'm going to take the under just because the East has become more competitive this year than ever before. Uh, I'll take over, but slightly. Right? What's the number again, just to make 26. sure? 26. 26.5. Give me, give me 28, 29. You know, not by too much, but I think they'll caused some trouble in the first half now one of the most interesting teams to me this season in the east is the miami heat they didn't do a whole lot um they brought in jimmy butler obviously that's their marquee signing and he's going to be very very good this is his team now they lost wade he retired they lost josh richardson they traded him in as part of the jimmy butler acquisition and they lost hassan whiteside because he went to the portland trailblazers but Butler should be a huge boost to Miami. I really like his fit within that culture, which is all about working hard, getting in the gym early, you know, grinding defensively. I think he's really going to fit in that team. Yeah, he's uh, Jimmy Butler, like I said about Hunter, just a dog. He will go after you. All he cares about is winning. He's got that killer's mentality. Um, I think the combination of him and Spolstra is going to work out very well. I don't think him and Brett Brown really were, you know, the best combination especially since Spolstra has a great relationship way great relationship with LeBron mm-hmm. you know I think uh, this team can do a lot of damage in the Eastern Conference yeah I definitely agree I think since now since Jimmy Butler's team he's kind of got rid of the drama that existed in Minnesota and also in Philly I think he'll be more focused than ever before the season I think he'll definitely work lead this team to a potential eighth seed in my opinion yeah I think Jimmy Butler is finally going to show that he can lead a team and that's going to take the team forward I agree. Um, You know, I think Jimmy Butler, for sure, he should be a big talent. Um, I'm interested in seeing how Justice Winslow actually develops this season. He ended up being their starting point guard by the end of last year. You know, Goran Dragic was out injured for a lot of the season, but Winslow did so well. I want to see him at the one full time. I want to see him there playing every night, having the ball in his hands as much as he can, which isn't going to be that much because, again, Jimmy Buckets is on the team now. But I want to see him making those decisions. I want to see him keep growing. Um, they've got Dion Waiters healthy again. So I don't know. I think both of those guys are going to play a role. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think uh, the projection here is 43 and a half. So I think, I think they go 47, 48. I think uh, this is a very quietly underrated, talented team, especially with a very good coach in Spolstra. Yeah, I think 43, the way they projected, I think that's a pretty good mark for them, considering the talent, but also considering the losses that they had over the free agency period. I'm going to take the over here just by a little bit. 43 and a half. 
I think they can be a 44, 45, 46 win team. Spolstra, great coach. Butler has a fantastic relationship with him from everything I've seen. I know he's got a great relationship with Dwayne Wade as well, who Spolstra obviously got along with very well. I think they're real contenders here to make, I don't know of a finals run, but I think a deep playoff run could be in the cards. Yeah, for sure. I think it could definitely be a wild card. Now the Charlotte Hornets, who I'm going to say right now, I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA next season, if not the worst, at least in the East. They lost Kemba Walker to the Celtics, Tony Parker to retirement, Frank Kaminsky, I guess, if you think he's a relevant guy because he played you know, a good amount of minutes last year, but he's not really a difference maker. Their biggest acquisition during the offseason was Terry Rozier, who I like as a guard, but I mean, he's not, he's not that great for me. No, this team, this team is, uh, you know, I think it's probably going to be the worst team in the NBA to me. I think, uh, you know, you lose Kemba Walker. That was the heart and soul of your franchise. You don't really replace him with anything too interesting. They're too, uh, honestly, great. So I think it's going to be, you know, this is year one of the rebuilding phase. Like we saw with the Knicks, it sucks, but this is this is where it's going to have to start for them. Yeah, I think also with their draft of P.J. Washington, I think him and Rozier are definitely going to have to develop and figure out a way to potentially lead this team. I agree with both of you. I think the Hornets will definitely be one of the worst teams in the East. I can't see it going up from here because they lost their one guy that made them stand out. It was a one-man team, and to lose that guy, I can't see it going up from there. Yeah, um, Anthony, you touched on P.J. Washington. This was a guy I really liked out of college, both during his first and second years. I actually thought he would be a one and done, but then he made you know the surprising choice to go back to Kentucky for one more year. He's NBA ready. The roster is not NBA ready, um, at least not really. You know, Terry Rozier again. He's okay. He's gonna score a lot of points probably. He's not really a great playmaker for others. Uh, they have the twenty three point five over under set right now. I'm gonna take the under. I think they're gonna be like an like a 17, 18, 19 win team at most. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You'll see them in the lottery lottery at, uh, in June next year. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the under. They might be in the run for the number one pick. I'm taking the under just because they have no standard of expectation. LaMelo Ball to the Charlotte Hornets next year, repping the Jordan brand. Gonna, I don't know. He's going to be a Nick. New might York be possible. Nick, LaMelo Ball. We'll see about that. But moving on to the Detroit Pistons, who I think they surpassed everyone's expectations last year. Making the playoffs, 41-41 win-loss record last year. Blake Griffin, for me, had a fantastic season. Well-deserved return to the All-Star game. Now, this year, um, they lost Stanley Johnson, but they brought in Derrick Rose. They brought in Markeith Morris. They drafted Sekou Dumbuya, who is supposed to be a very promising young guy out of France, big wing type. What do you guys make of Detroit? I really like this team. You know, it reminds me of uh, the relationship, not really a relationship, but of Davis and Cousins. That didn't really work out in New Orleans. But, you know, Griffin and Drummond, you know, I like I like that combination a lot. Griffin's more the scorer. The, the, he'll slash, he'll shoot his threes. He'll, he doesn't dunk as much anymore, but he'll still get in the paint plenty. And Drummond, he'll post up and he defends the rim. I think it's a very good one-two punch, you know, Twin Towers, if you want to call it that. And, you know, I think they're going to show go above these expectations because I think Derrick Rose, as we saw last year, he can still he can still ball and he doesn't have to be counted on as a number one guy on this team. 
I definitely agree. I think Blake Griffin and Andre Dillman together will be a solid leadership for the Pistons team. Derrick Rose coming off the bench I think will be a viable scoring option. And with the head coach that they have, Dwayne Casey, a former Coach of the Year winner, I think that entire team together I think will be really well, maybe a 6 or 7 seed in the East. I think this team's going to do well just because Derrick Rose is like an emotional player in the NBA. Like He always brings the crowds in, and everyone wants to see him do well, and that'll just motivate the team to do better. And Blake Griffin's on fire right now, so I can only see it going up. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm a little bit worried about the lack of shooting on the team. You know, they don't really have that many great shooters. Blake Griffin, I mean, he's come on leaps and bounds since he started in the NBA. But still, I want to see him build on that even more. Andre Drummond, I don't know if you guys saw that clip of him taking a three in preseason, but it just banged off the backboard. That's why it's preseason. So we get those, so we make those attempts. And if they look like that, it won't kill anyone because we're in the preseason. And, again, I don't love their guard options. I like D-Rose, but he will probably come off the bench. I don't love Reggie Jackson. But, again, as we saw last year, Blake Griffin handles so much of the ball anyways that I don't think it matters that their point guard isn't that great. Uh, I think Luke Kennard is actually going to have a good year. He came out of Duke three years ago, two, three years ago. Yeah, around there. I want to say. And he's a good shooter. Um, He hasn't really had much of a chance to show what he can do. But, you know, this is probably his third, second, third, no, third year for sure in the NBA. I think he's going to grow. And I think this team, they're over under set at 37.5. Give me the over on that and give me the over on that comfortably. I think they're going to be a 40-41 win team. All right, I think I agree. Um, Definitely give me the over. I think they're more of a 45-win team, again, a 6 or 17 in the East. Yeah, I think this team, I think 37 and a half is pretty low for them. I think you'll see them around 43, you know, 42. I think they, you know, the shooting is an issue, but I think uh, just the amount of damage they'll do in the paint will get them over the top. Uh, Give me the over. Like I said before, the morale is going to be high for the whole season. And if they don't do well, well, at least they're a tight-knit group. Now, the Orlando Magic, who right now the story of the preseason, of course, is Markel Fultz returning to basketball activities and actually playing games in the NBA. He's been able to shoot the ball decently so far. Um, I know he had like a two for 10 game yesterday, but in their preseason debut, um, you know, he took a couple threes, I want to say. He's been making free throws at a decent rate or at least decent relative to his expectations. And this team was one that actually did very, very well last season, um, anchored by Nikola Vucevic, of course. Well, th- this team, I don't know what to make of this team because I, I like the talent, you know. it's I think they're going to run into trouble trying to lo- lock down an eighth seed against maybe the the Heat and the Pistons. But, you know, I think they're going to probably be around 500 throughout the season. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the Magic last year, they definitely surprised everyone by becoming that eighth seed and playing the Raptors in the first round. I think they're definitely going to be a good team. I just don't think it'll be enough to compete for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. I think I agree with both of you guys, um, Daniel, Anthony. I agree they're going to be around, you know, a 500 uh, team. They had a 42-40 record last year. I'm not sure they're really going to get there again. They'll be in that fight for the seventh and eighth seed. I agree. But I think Miami and Detroit, like Daniel said, just have a bit more. I'm not sure Vucevic is going to have such a great season again. Um, last year was really the first we've seen where he just like went off every single game. And, you know, with the likes of DJ Augustin and Evan Fournier, again, I don't think that success is sustainable. I'm interested in getting to know what you guys thought about Mo Bamba last year. He kind of lost his spot in the rotation towards the end just because they made the playoffs. And obviously, he's such a raw player. 
but he's supposed to have a bigger role this year. Yeah, I think the potential is definitely there. I think if he can definitely work on his game, he'll definitely earn a spot back on that rotation. So we'll look at the look at the wins here. Uh, we got 41 and a half. Is that the number we're looking yes, at? Yes, sir. 41 and a half. Give me 41 even, you know, just under that. Yeah, I would agree. Just a tiny bit under, maybe 30, 39 wins. The under just compared to the other teams that they're facing. I'll take the under as well. Not by a lot. Probably like a 39-41 win, uh, team. All right, now one of the most intriguing teams in the East, the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, we all know what they did this summer. They signed KD, Kevin Durant. They signed Kyrie Irving. They got DeAndre Jordan. Um, they lost D'Angelo Russell. But they also made a couple sneaky, nice you know, signings. Wilson Chandler, Torian Prince, Garrett Temple. I think those are all guys who can also add to this team, especially with Kevin Durant out for the year, probably. Daniel, thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, you know, I think for, if you just look at it on paper, they look like a pretty good team. But they're just, you know, it worries me with Durant and Irving because they might be, they're, they're towing a fine line here with what the Knicks used to do. They used to sign guys around their ages, give them these big contracts, a.k.a. Carmelo and Stoudemire, and it never really worked out for them. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, we're probably not going to see KD all year because they want to protect their investment. And, you know, Kyrie, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on with the face mask and everything. But, you know, I think uh, I think there's high expectations, but I really don't think they're going to meet them this year. Yeah, right. I think the Nets for right now, I think they're kind of an overhyped team. Um, but only really Kyrie being there since KD is pretty much going to be injured for the rest of the season. I think Kyrie has to prove that he can lead the Nets. And with that expectation, I'm not entirely sure what to make of this team. I think the fans have to pretend that Kevin Durant is invisible and pretend that it's last season and just add a little bit onto what they got. But they're not as good as if they had Kevin Durant the whole season. Right. I mean, obviously, I think that's going to be very hard to do, though. Once you sign KD, you want to see him on the court. I understand the Brooklyn Nets are not going to rush him back, but the expectations for this team in the next three to four years, they're going to be huge. Um you know, you've got KD, you've got Kyrie, obviously two all-star talent, two top 10 guys in the NBA probably, who said, hey, like, we want to come to Brooklyn. We want to play together. Like, we want to be a part of this. And if they come and it flops, then that's really going to set the franchise back a little bit. It's obviously not going to take them back to the dark days of, you know, four, five, six years ago. But when you make such a big investment, the fans are invested in it. You're expecting big things. You're expecting a championship team in the next few years. And if you look at their win win uh, prediction here, the over under here, they're at forty three and a half. Which I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think they're going to go under that. I think they're going to finish under five hundred this season. Um, I'm actually going to take the over. I think they're more of like a forty six, forty seven win team. No, I'm definitely taking the under. Like just because Kevin Durant's on the roster doesn't mean that he's going to be playing the whole year. And Kyrie Irving cannot carry a team. I'm going to say I'm going to take the over by a little bit. This is going to be a close one. I think they're they're going to be like a 43, 44, 45 win team. They'll make the playoffs. I don't see them as championship contenders this season. Up next, the Indiana Pacers. Their biggest signing of the summer, Malcolm Brogdon from the Bucks. They also brought in TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, and Justin Holliday. They lost Wesley Matthews. Darren Collison retired. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn and Corey Joseph. Their over-under is projected to be at 46.5. And I have to say, I'm going to say it right now from day one, 
This is going to be a very good team. I think they are contenders to make the finals. I'm going to take the over on 46.5. I think they're going to be a 48-49 win team. Yeah, I think this is a 50-win team. I think, you know, Oladipo is a little bit of a wild card because, you know, coming back from an injury like Gordon Hayward did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the Warren signing, very underrated scorer. Definitely. And Brogdon is just an all-around solid player. I think this team is going to be a top four in the East. Yeah, I think if Brogdon could definitely develop into that point guard that they signed him to be, I think the Pacers will definitely be a scary good team in the Eastern Conference. Definitely around 50 wins for sure. Yeah, Oladipo will be out until December, January, around you know that Christmas period. But he was so good the past two years when he was on the court. The only problem is they have to get him on the court, obviously. But Brogdon, I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, I think the Bucks are really going to regret letting him go so cheaply. And I think he could be looking at a potential all-star spot in the East, especially given, um, you know, I guess, I don't want to say the lack of talent, but obviously the Eastern Conference is a lot less stacked than the West. I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, I know one of the biggest discussion points here has been, does Miles Turner work with Sabonis at the court on the same time? What do you guys think? I think it works. You know, I think, um, it's, again, it's two total, like, sort of different games, like with Drummond and Griffin. You know, Turner's not going to post up as much. He'll shoot that mid-range. He'll shoot the three. Sabonis, he'll wear you down in the paint, just post up after post up, use his big body just like his dad did. Um, but, you know, I think it works, like I said, because uh, Turner's uh, sh- the shot blocker and Sabonis, good defender as well. But, you know, I think they're going to, you know, contrast and complement each other in a good way. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think both Sabonis and Turner definitely complement their games very well. And I think with Turner coming back this year i think they'll definitely he'll definitely improve along with some bonus all right so i took the over on 46 and a half daniel over pushing 50 yeah i definitely agree around 50 wins this year james i'm gonna take the over 50 wins next we have the boston celtics who lost kyrie irving last year or this year i should say but they brought in kemba walker um gordon hayward is back after a full year you know with good health this is a team who they underdelivered last year, to be honest. Um, the expectations were so high, not just for Kyrie, but for Gordon Hayward, for Jalen Brown, for Jason Tatum. And they didn't deliver. Um, they have, for me, one of the top three coaches in the NBA in Brad Stevens. And I don't think he was really um, suited to handling that locker room full of egos, full of um, superstars such as Kyrie or guys who are thinking that they're going to be superstars like Tatum. So I'm interested in getting to know what you guys make of this team. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to be another interesting one, like the match. You don't really know which way you want to go. I wish they would have kept Al Horford on that team. But I think, you know, it's going to be a whole different narrative now that Kyrie Irving just got the hell out of there. You know, I think having Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward, they're pretty close with each other, along with Jason Tatum, who's, you know, on his way to becoming a star in this league. You know, I think they could even break any expectations or uh, win more games than they ever did with Kyrie Irving around. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Kemba Walker was definitely much it was definitely a better fit for the Celtics compared to Kyrie. I think Kyrie was ego along with Gordon Hayward kind of having a bigger rotation spot, kind of like their chemistry just didn't work out. I think this year, I think Brad Stevens will figure out what to do with Gordon Hayward. I think he'll definitely figure out the rotations. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum will definitely improve, and I think this team might not be as good as the Pacers, but they're definitely up there for sure. I think Walker will bring maturity to the team, and they won't be so big-headed thinking they're going to win the 
the championship, so they'll take it one step at a time, and they're a 50-win team, in my opinion. Real quick, do you guys think this team can make the finals? I, I'm going to say yes. I think this team can make the NBA Finals. I think Brad Stevens is – I think he's really happy that Kyrie's out of the window when I he think can so actually too. coach this team. Um, can they? Yes. But will they? I don't think so. I absolutely do think they're going to win. The, I mean, sorry, that they can make the Finals. I don't think they can, personally. The over-under is set at 48 and a half. Um, I'm going to take the under, maybe by like one game or one and a half games. I like them. I don't love them. I don't think they have a reliable center just yet. They might look to trade someone or explore the buyout market, but obviously we don't know what will happen yet. I'm going to take the under just by a little bit. I'm going to take the under as well. I think by a little bit. I think 48 is a good number for them. Uh, I'm. This is probably going to be my over-bold prediction of the night. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go 54 wins for the Boston Celtics. All right, that's bold. James? I'm just going to keep it standard and say 50-win team. Getting to the last three teams here in the East, but for me, these are the, th- well, two of these three teams, for me, they are surefire finals contenders, and one of them is the Philadelphia 76ers. They lost Jimmy Butler, but they brought, well, they lost Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, who I feel like goes understated sometimes, but they brought in Al Horford, Josh Richardson, and some solid backup guys with Kylo Quinn and Trey Burke alongside some decent draft picks, um, such as Matisse Thybul. This team, their over-under is set at uh, 54.5, excuse me. I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to take the over. I think they're going to be a 60-win team, if not more. I love this team. I love their size. I love their length. I love their coaching. Ben Simmons finally made a three, by the way, (laughs) a couple days ago. Very exciting moment for me personally, but <laughs> I love this team. I think they they have very, very great potential. So what are you guys' thoughts on the Sixers? Well, I would say your prediction is not that bold because I agree with you because I think yes, there's sir. plenty of talent. I think this is Ben Simmons. You know, he looks confident in these preseason games. I think it's a 60-plus win team. I totally agree. I think the Sixers will definitely get 60 wins. Um, if Ben Simmons can have a consistent jumper, I think the Sixers will definitely be scary for the rest of the NBA. Considering the way they lost in the last season playoffs, they can only get better from this, and they are definitely a finals contender. This is a scary, scary team, in my opinion, and I'm looking for Joel Embiid to have an MVP type of year. I know he's going to miss some games. I think we've all like come to expect that by now. Yeah. But they brought in Al Horford, who is a guaranteed guy, big guy who can play the four and the five. Yeah. When Embiid's not there, Horford's going to play the five. And Embiid's not going to play 82 games. In fact, I would be surprised if he played 70 games. Yeah. Well, it's also big. You can play them both on the floor at the same time, which is very nice. Horford's very uh, versatile big man. Oh, so is Embiid, too. But, you know, I think uh, they they learned from their last two years in the postseason. I think, like, the Golden State Warriors, they learned from there when they were younger, their two losses in the postseason. I think now is the time where they finally push through and finally get to the finals or even – you know, win the finals if they get far enough. Yeah, I think Al Horford's leadership to the 76ers is definitely underrated. I think his addition is very huge. Um, the Sixers, I believe, can definitely make the finals, but I think it's just up to them to execute. All right, now Ben Simmons and the three-pointer. Is he going to take more than one three a game? Uh, I mean, you don't you don't necessarily need him to, but if they're gonna sag off on him, yeah, take that. You know, it shouldn't it's, it shouldn't be the number one thing he looks at. But if someone wants to be disrespectful and play you all the way back at the free throw line, 
let that thing rip because now you hit one or you put one in and out. Now they say, oh, this guy, you know, this guy's confident. And the more, if, within the first 10 games, if he makes like five, if he makes even three, they're going to still worry about it. James, I saw you shaking your head no when I asked if Ben Simmons is going to take over a three a game. Why? Because preseason, the craziest things happen in preseason. Shaq's only career three-pointer happened in a bizarre fluke game. Like, I don't think Ben Simmons is totally polished yet, just like Lonzo Ball doesn't have a polished, polished jump shot yet. It's, you know, wait and see. Until it happens on the big stage, maybe at the end of the season or playoffs. But until now, I'm not convinced. I would actually disagree. I think Ben Simmons with an improved jump shot, I think he'll definitely start to take more threes. Now, I don't think he'll necessarily take like take them just because, but as what Daniel was saying before, like if defenders sag off on him and he is confident in his shot, he he should definitely take it and start making them. Yeah, like the one three he made in that preseason game, that was just a, that was literally like a walk in the gym three. That's all you need him to shoot. If he shoots 25% from three, you'll be you'll be happy with that in year one of him really consistently shooting them. All right, so we're all taking the over then, 54 and a half. Everyone's yeah, taking the definitely. over. All right. Up next, the Toronto Raptors are reigning NBA champions who I don't think are going to defend their championship. I'm sorry, Toronto fans. Um, they're over under a set of 46 and a half. They don't have a horrible team, to be honest. I mean, they kept Kyle Lowry... Um, you know, Siakam, obviously, I think he's going to make another leap this year. They lost Kawhi Leonard. They lost Danny Green. That's a lot of shooting to lose, especially with Kawhi. He's your guy. He was your go-to guy. And now who's going to be that guy? <laughs> Kawhi is basically a team, you know, with his talent. Um, but, yeah, it hurts. You're losing, you know, the guy would, I would say, top two, top three player in the league last year. You know, it's, you can't replace that unless you replace him with LeBron James or Giannis, you know, I, I, and – I don't see them really making a deep push or might not even make the playoffs this year. Um, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and kind of disagree. I think the Raptors, even though they did lose Kawhi, and Kawhi was definitely a big factor in their team's success, I think the Raptors will still be a playoff team. I think with Fred Van Vliet kind of showing out in the finals last year, I think he'll definitely continue to develop from kind of that six-man mentality. Maybe he'll play the shooting guard role next to Kyle Lowry. We'll have to see, but... I think the Raptors, in addition to Siakam's improved um, campaign last season, will they make the finals? No, probably not. But I definitely think they'll be at least in the second round, in my opinion. The disrespect they're receiving is unwarranted because they won the NBA Finals with a healthy Steph Curry who was performing at his max ability, which we had never seen in the finals before. They did have Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green in that series, but I still see them being 7th or 8th seed at the bare minimum. I think I think they'll be in and around the playoff picture, but I'm not sure if they want that from a franchise perspective. Um, you know, if you're the Raptors and you're just going to get an eighth seed and be knocked out in the first round, you have Kyle Lowry, who's not young anymore. You have Marc Gasol, who not obviously young. is not young anymore. And you've got Siakam. I don't think, I mean, they're probably going to give him the max or offer him the max or s- somewhere close to the max. So you don't want to be wasting his prime years. I think that... If you go around, you know, if the season goes on and on and their, you know, head office sees that, hey, this isn't really a team that has any type of real future, they might just have to blow it up and rebuild a little bit. Not even go full rebuild, but just like something like the Brooklyn Nets did, you know what I mean? Um, Build around Siakam, trade Gasol. I'm sure there's going to be a team interested in him. Why not the Boston Celtics? You know, they don't have a five yet. Maybe try to flip that and get someone decent. 
Kyle Lowry, I know that he got a one-year extension just right now, but I don't know. I think both of those guys are, are tradable. Even Serge Ibaka might be tradable. I'm going to take the under here. They've got 46.5 projected wins. I'm going to take the under, and I would not be surprised if they blow it up by the end of the season. Yeah, I'm going to go under here. I look at the team, like, who's, who's your guy? Like, who is the guy you're going to say, all right, we got to, you know, Kawhi, you got to pull us out of this hole. You know, it's it's. I, I don't think they even get anywhere near the 46.5 they're projected. I think they're a 40-42 win team. I disagree. I think they're going to be around a 45-win team. Even though Kawhi Leonard isn't there anymore, I think Siakam will definitely continue to grow, and he'll end up being the leader for that team. I'll take under, but just by the minimum, like 43 wins. And now our last team in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course. But this is a solid team. Um, they lost Malcolm Brogdon, which, again, I already you know gushed over him earlier and whatnot, but... They've got Eric Bledsoe still, who I think had his best year in the NBA. They brought in Wesley Matthews, who I like quite a bit. They brought in Kyle Culver, who's going to give them a bunch of shooting, especially um, with their whole offense being geared towards you know Giannis driving to the hoop, either dunking, scoring a layup, or kicking it out to a shooter. Kyle Culver is going to be a huge guy, a huge help with that. And they're over under a set of 57 and a half. I think this team has a lot of potential after their first year with Budenhoser getting 60 wins. I'm going to take the over. They lost Brogdon, but they have, for me right now, a top three, top four talent in the league in Giannis. Yeah, this team, I love this team. I love the Corver move so much because if you want to play Lopez at the five, you play Giannis at the four, Corver at the three. And then it does, anyone at the one and two is probably going to be a capable three-point shooter. Like, what are you going to do? You can't sag off of these guys. You're going to make your guy go one-on-one. Then you're going to leave Brooke Lopez. No, you're going to leave Kyle Corver. Hell no, you're not going to leave him. I think this is a 65, you know, 63 to 65 win team. I think they're representing the East in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think the Bucks are definitely at least a 60 win team. I think Giannis will continue to grow. Um, but once he develops a jump shot, same thing with Ben Simmons. I think if they both get jumpers, they'll definitely both be scary in the NBA. I think Kyle Korver is the equalizer to the Western Conference. Like, if the Bucks make the finals, they have a three-point shooter that can match the Rockets, the the Warriors, etc. Um, that was the last piece they were missing when they were facing the Raptors last season. Yeah, and I mean Kyle Korver, you know, um, obviously a great three-point shooter. I'm a bit worried about his defense when it comes to playoff games, such as those you mentioned, but. He's definitely going to be a very good tool to have in your arsenal. They kept a lot of their, you know, backup guys last year, Ilya Sova, George Hill, which I really liked those moves. And they brought in Robin Lopez, who should be an upgrade on Thon Maker from last season. Yeah, 100%. Definitely agree on that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 60-win team, I think it's going to go over that, like Daniel said and like Anthony said. Um, I'm expecting, you know, 63, 65 wins. I, don't, I hope they don't work Giannis as much, especially since he didn't have the summer off. I'm expecting him to miss some games, but I don't think the East as a whole is that strong. So big, big year for the Bucks. Milwaukee, Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then after that, we'll see who makes it into the actual finals. But I think those two teams right now are my top two by a considerable margin. I definitely agree. I think the Sixers and Bucks will definitely be in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's Buck Sixers. I don't think there's any question to it. But who knows? I think if there's a team that's gonna surprise us here, 
you know, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be the Celtics. If one of those two teams aren't there, it's going to be the Celtics that's there with one of them. Honestly, the Bucks not making the finals will be a huge disappointment. That's their standard to meet. Yeah, and that will be it for this week's edition of the Full Court Press. Uh, week two, week two edition. Uh, next week, we will move on to the Western Conference predictions. That'll definitely be a little more interesting. Got a lot more storylines in there. But for everyone here at the Full Court Press, uh, be on the lookout for the first edition of the Stony Brook Press magazine. And enjoy your long weekend.